Welcome to The Rock Fight, where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, and sometimes agree to disagree. I'm Colin True, and we're back today to talk about adventure sports on television. Starting with my promised recap of the end of The Climb Season 1, but also a few other shows that have come out recently that I want to give you some thoughts on, specifically Pink Bike Academy and 100 Foot Wave. Spoilers ahead for any of those shows, maybe a few others if I talk about them, not sure, but definitely... The Climb Season 1, Pink Bike Academy, and 100 Foot Wave. If you haven't seen any of those and you don't want to hear anything about them, uh, you should go watch them. And honestly, you might want to watch them first anyway because I'm going to be talking about them like you've seen them. So, first, we need to finish up talking about HBO's The Climb. I recapped episodes 1 through 4 a few weeks ago. This is the Jason Momoa, Chris Sharma-fronted climbing reality-focused show. And when I recapped episodes one through four, I left you with three predictions. Number one, that Robin, Robin with a Y, Robin would win. Number two, that Momoa would show up for the final episode. And number three, that Chris Sharma would give us about 67 more shots or comments telling us that climbing is the ultimate human experience. And friends, while I don't know exactly how many um, overly earnest Sharma comments we got, I can say that one of my predictions did come true. And it wasn't the winner of Caesar 1 who would end up being Cat, but it was my prediction that Jason Momoa would indeed roll in, oh yeah, brother, for the final episode of the competition. Woo! I did not think it would actually happen, but there he was. As for the winner, I was very stoked to see Cat win, going all the way back to the pilot. I can't really recall anyone seeming like a total frontrunner. The only one... Um, that had me thinking at any point that they were going to convincingly take down the field was Brad, but he was gone before the midway point. After that, the field of contestants was pretty balanced, and it kind of felt like anyone's game. Um, in terms of the rest of the episodes, five through eight, I particularly enjoyed episode five's challenge, where Sharma put up a new route, and the contestants got a crack at the, uh, the first ascent. And then in episode seven, they partnered up for a multi, uh, multi-pitch multi climb. Um, This show always found new and different ways to make each episode engaging, and like I said on the last recap podcast, the highlight of the entire show was the cast of of contestants that they assembled. On any reality show, you gravitate towards certain participants and others um, probably leave a bad taste in your mouth. On season one of The Climb, there really wasn't one person I was rooting against, and that helped to make the show even more engaging. And even though I thought it would have been cool to see any of the participants win, how great is it for the trans community that Cat came away with the victory? It's been very cool to see him popping up in Prana's social media uh, social media posts since winning the contest, uh, or at least since the contest winner was announced. And at a time where there was a lot of discourse and disheartening news stories when it comes to trans rights, I definitely felt a little beacon of hope going up. Uh, seeing Cat win this competition. And also, I thought it was great for the out- our outdoor community, which has for a long time been driven by the skinny, white, straight guy, you know, on top of the mountain. So the diversity we saw in the climb uh, as a whole is, a hopeful, is hopefully a sign of what we're going to see more of when it comes to outdoor adventure sports in the future. Kudos to the producers, uh, Sharma and Momoa specifically on that, uh, in terms of how they casted this show. It was great. It was great to see a cross-section of a lot of different folks, different-looking folks, um, on an outdoor show where, you know, there's a long history of everyone looking a little bit more like me. So it was really great to see. Uh, in terms of the show itself, 
not much improved on the issues I had with the first four episodes. Um, you know, I don't want to browbeat the climb because it's a show I largely enjoyed, but you know, there were some shortcomings, the kind of the odd structure of the episodes, the like I mentioned, the overly sincere tenor of host Chris Sharma. The lack of using Megan Martin, that was the biggest beef I had. And then really the unnecessary inclusion of Jason Momoa. You know, it made it, it, made it feel more like Chris and Jason's climbing show with an amazing reality premise that was executed really re- well rather than kind of a cohesive narrative. And like I said, I'm not here to beat the show up, uh, but I do want to point those facts out because it plays into another reality adventure TV show that I watched since we last spoke. And that is Pink Bike Academy. The biggest defense The Climb has with its wonky structure is that this was season one. And hopefully if the show comes back, and I do want it to come back, they learn from what worked and what didn't work, and they make some changes. Now, I plowed through all three seasons of Pink Bike Academy, and while they definitely faced their own challenges in the first two seasons, the third season of Pink Bike Academy was, ah, just chef's kiss, reality TV. Pink Bike Academy Season 3 got to that place all reality TV shows should aim for, which is the Top Chef slash HGTV, I don't care about the subject matter, but I'll watch this anyway level of reality TV quality. You know, I'll sit and watch HGTV home improvement shows without an issue for hours. In fact, my dentist runs the channel on TVs that you can watch while lying on your back, and I've never once asked them to change the channel. And you might think I'm into home improvement or gardening or something. Nope. Could not be less interested. When, pe- when, when, when people come over to help us paint or do work on the house, I'm the guy that orders pizza and like mingles. Like, fuck doing work on my yard or on my own house. No way. I hate it. So those shows, those shows are expertly crafted. Um, they're relatable, and they set up your relationship with the people on them perfectly. Pink Bike Academy Season 3 did the same thing. First, they all, first of all, it, um, it improved majorly on the first two seasons by upgrading the host position. And by upgrading, I mean they brought in Katie Burrell and Cam McCall. Uh, Cam was pretty good, but Katie is who gave the, uh, the, the show a huge shot on the arm. I mean, I know she's known more in the ski community than with the biking community, but she's hilarious, gregarious, uh, and an excellent avatar for the viewer. When you compare that to the hosting situation in a show like The Climb, where they had someone like Megan Mark, uh, Megan Martin just sitting there. <sighs> Look, I'm talking to the producers of The Climb right now. If you greenlight season two, let Megan cook. Give Sharma the technical stuff and be the climbing expert, but let Megan host and tell Momoa that he can just set this one out. Pink Bike. Uh, they also smartened up by limiting the runtime of each episode to about 22 minutes. Season two of Pink Bike Academy was long, and when in doubt, you go shorter. But that was great, and I really enjoyed season three of Pink Bike Academy. Definitely recommend it. But right now, if there's a crown to hand out to the reigning champ of adventure sports television, there is only one candidate to consider. I'll definitely pick a rock fight with anyone who disagrees with me. The current belt holder is also an HBO show, and it's 100 Foot Wave. If you've not watched 100 Foot Wave on HBO, you're just missing out. It's in the running for, like, the greatest outdoor adventure TV show ever. Like, the only competition probably being, like, early 2000s-era eco-challenge seasons. 100 Foot Wave combines these incredible feats done out of doors with compelling stories, compelling human stories, beautiful photography... It's, it's amazing. 
Um, the first season of 100 Foot Wave was one of my favorite seasons of television, like of any kind, not even just like outdoor stuff, like just as a favorite, like a season of television, it was freaking awesome. And then seriously, between the end of both Succession and Barry uh, coming up and with the WGA writer's strike happening, I mean, I would say if you haven't seen 100 Foot Wave, you should at least watch season one and hope maybe fill that kind of void of, of shows as as the writer strike continues, like there's a lot of, there's a big dark hole coming, black hole coming of content. Let 100 Wave kind of settle in there for you if you haven't seen it yet. Besides the best storytelling I've seen in an outdoor documentary, I mean, you also get to learn how like Nazare was discovered and became one of the go-to places in the world for big wave surfing. You know, Mavericks, Jaws, and Nazare are almost household names at this point. And it wasn't that long ago that Nazare wasn't even on the radar. Um, so I was kind of skeptical that season two uh, would be as compelling as season one with only a couple of years of content to capture that was that were captured after season one. But as soon as um, episode one of season two started, it was like returning to any other great show. I mean, it was just awesome to be back with Garrett and Nicole McNamara and Justine and and to see Cotty again and like a dramatic fictional show. Um, like you do in a dramatic fictional show, this season we're getting new characters like Tony and his dad who are Portugal natives. And then we have Nick Von Rupp and um, Michelle, uh, is it Bullions? Bullions? I, I'm sorry if I'm, she's Brazilian. I can't remember. I don't know how to pronounce her, her last name, but she's awesome with her fiance. Uh, and it, you know, adds more women to the field along with Justine. It was great. It's just so much fun to learn about these people and watch them take on these, um, take on these giant waves. And that really brings me to the point of this episode, and that's please give us more adventure television. And I mean like these three shows, The Climb, Pinkback Academy, and 100 Foot Wave. You know, a lot of the content we get is what we see in places like Red Bull TV or put out by Teton Gravity Research. And I'm not saying there aren't episodes or videos by those makers that I absolutely love, because there are. But for some reason, finding the human elements of adventure sports is always sort of just strangely missing if you're just searching for stuff. It's just the adrenaline aspect of it. You know, our community is pretty quick to celebrate the hardcore nature of an activity. And obviously the, the, the notion of hardcore is something we've covered a lot here on this podcast, but it's a lot of big jumps and first ascents, long distances. You know, the industry is wired to promote and encourage these feats as the baseline of why a lot of us go outside. You know, like, I don't know, like so much so that you see folks like Angel Collinson, who kind of has to go on an apology tour of sorts of like why she doesn't ski anymore. And I don't know if this is baked in to kind of our DNA as people who like to go outside, but if you've listened to this show, I did an episode called Running uh, where I talk about how I had to sort of hang up my running shoes due to some knee issues. And since then, I've been kind of repeatedly encouraged by some friends of mine like to not give up on running. Hey, keep at it and there's probably a way to continue on, even though I'm saying, hey, I'm good with the situation. People kind of continue to press. And what's great about the three shows we're talking about is that all three find ways to show the pinnacle of, the, of their particular sport while not ignoring the human element of why these folks do what they're doing, uh, along with the risks they're taking and the payoff that comes from accomplishing dreams and goals. And they all feel like the best of what a life lived outdoors can be, but without the hyperbole that is usually drenched on these sports, like an overdressed Caesar salad. So I want to run down uh, these three shows, um, give you a little, should you watch it, a couple final thoughts, and then we'll wrap up and get out of here. So first up, The Climb, season one. Should you watch it? Yeah. Will you be as frustrated by 
Momoa and Sharma and the egregious lack of minutes Megan Martin gets as I was? Probably. But it was season one, right? Not everything could be a hundred foot wave. The contestants are diverse and wonderfully selected. The locations they pick for the competitions are great. And it just shows the best of the climbing community. It's on HBO Max, uh, soon to be just Max. So check it out there. All right, secondly, we talked about Pink Bike Academy season three. Should you watch it? Yes. Do you need to watch season one or two? No, absolutely not. The format is straightforward, reality TV, elimination style, last person standing competition. If you're really that bored in your daily life, sure, go back and watch the first two seasons, but it's not at all necessary, and the quality takes a serious jump upwards in season three. Thank you again, Katie Burrell. I do want to add, as someone who has zero interest in enduro freeride or downhill mountain biking, that while I don't mind those disciplines being the focus of Pink Bike Academy, if the show continues, I'd love to see those of us who like to climb and ride longer distances, you know, find a way to be included. Uh, But Pink Bike is a one-trick pony that really only cares about hitting berms and riding past ferns in the Pacific Northwest, so I doubt I'll get that wish. Uh, I doubt I'll get that wish. Uh, But whatever, if it comes back, I'll still happily watch it as long as they kind of keep going with the format they've established in Season 3. Pink Bike Academy, available on YouTube. Lastly, 100-Foot Wave, the best of these shows, and a huge quality jump against pretty much any show on TV. So yes, you should watch it. Like I said, we have a dearth of quality TV coming soon, so earmark it if you don't want to watch it now. But even if you have zero surf understanding or aspirations, this show is a must-watch. And to the producers out there looking to tap into the outdoor audience, these are three good examples to check out and learn from. And hey, if you need more guidance on the topic, you know, drop a note to myrockfight at gmail.com because I am more than happy to slip into the czar of outdoor TV role for the world. So Hollywood, I'm your guy. Hit me up, right? I, I can drop the podcast in a second and just go and be the consultant on all outdoor media projects. Would love to do that. Yeah, and lastly, now I want to hear from you. I want to hear from the listeners. You know, what did you think of these shows? What other TV shows or movies do you want to hear covered here on The Rock Fight? Well, you two should reach out to myrockfight at gmail.com. Was I too hard on Sharma and Momoa? Could you not get past Garrett McNamara's voice? Should Katie Burrell stick to skiing? I don't think that's actually something I would entertain, that question. Katie was awesome. But you might disagree. Anything else? Send an email to myrockfight at gmail.com. There is a ton of crossover in pop culture and the outdoors, and you're going to hear it covered here on the self-proclaimed best new podcast in the outdoor space. So make sure your voice is heard and you get content on what you love the most. Again, send your emails to myrockbite at gmail.com. That's the show for today. Thanks for listening. As always, I'm Colin True. The Rock Fight is a production of Rock Fight LLC. We'll see you next time.